You're listening to TIP. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this Wednesday's release of the Bitcoin Fundamentals podcast. This episode is brought to you by River, the place that I personally go to securely invest in Bitcoin with confidence and with zero fees. All right. If you're active on Twitter and seeing all the technical posts going on about Bitcoin, things can get a little overwhelming. Well, I bring on one of the most respected technical experts, Mr. NVK, who's the founder of ColdCard, to talk to us about all the proposals and all the technical things that are being discussed, what risks are being imposed, and much, much more. This was a conversation I personally couldn't wait to have so I could learn and help prioritize what's actually important versus what's just noise. And so with that, here's my conversation with NVK. You're listening to Bitcoin Fundamentals by the Investors Podcast Network. Now for your host, Preston Pish. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm here with NVK once again. Very excited to have this conversation. Welcome back. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. It's been a while. It has been a while. Well, we've talked here and there, but having a conversation on the show, it's been a while. Yeah. So here's the deal, man. Like on Twitter, online, there's so much jargon. There's so much terminology jargon being thrown around. And I think for people that are just showing up, people that have been here for a while, myself included, are looking at all this jargon and saying, good Lord, it's hard to keep it all straight. And I think more important, you don't know how to prioritize whether this new jargon you're hearing about is something that warrants your time and effort to understand and de-risk in your own mind, whether it's something you should be thinking about or not. And that's the intent of this discussion is to bring on, in my opinion, one of the most technically sound people in Bitcoin with respect to software, hardware, creator of cold card. I'm sure most people know what cold card is the block clock, all this awesome stuff. So that's what I'm trying to accomplish here. And I didn't even tell you what I was when I asked you to come on the show. So surprise, this is what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, but it's dice centric. (laughs) So I want you to think about from your point of view, NVK, what is the top three things that you think are important technical conversations based on where we're at right now? And I want you, as you're thinking about that, I want to set this environmental backdrop up for people. We've got a mempool for a very long period of time. This mempool might have had five to 10 blocks in there at, at any given amount of time, maybe like only one block that was being worked on, low fees. And then since I would say October, September, October, we have seen the mempool, which is all the transactions that are waiting to make their way into a block has blown out. I think we're over 500 blocks in the mempool waiting to make it into a block. Fees are pretty high. That's our backdrop. What are the top three things that you think are important technical conversations right now? Like Bitcoin, the project itself is extremely stable now. You could turn off Twitter, Mm -hmm. turn off the TV, go on a two-year retreat Okay, and essentially nothing could change. You'd be fine. Your funds are fine. We're not contrary to what Twitter or the media sort of like to sort of portray, right? There is nothing critical happening in Bitcoin right now. Everything is working as design. It's just that we have a lot of demand, right? Mm-hmm. So that means Bitcoin is winning, right? Yes. I mean, demand is, is a good thing. Through the years, since Bitcoin sort of started to become a little bit more mainstream, Whenever we have a all-time high or some new technical sort of change or, or a new project that came in and sort of used Bitcoin slightly differently, the fee cost for, for mining your transaction has spiked because there were more demand for those blocks. This is historically true. A great example of this way, way, way back in the day was Satoshi Dice. They were using the transactions as part of how they did their proof of fair dice and how their whole sort of system worked, right? So they clogged, you know, the system a little bit. And funny enough, they were filtered out. But this, who gets we're gonna get to that. Of? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what's important to understand is this: like you can close your eyes, close your ears, go on a vacation, nothing's happening. Okay. Like everybody always has opinions. 
And, you know, there's a lot of inertia on the network towards not changing anything, right? We call that ossification in Bitcoin. Just so people understand, software is always updated. It's forever going to have to be updated because computers change and you have to update things. Bitcoin still has to change the Unix time concern, right? We still have quite a bit of time for that. But anyways, but, but my point is there's people who in good faith, want new features added to Bitcoin so that we can do more things, right? Or can optimize things. Some of these changes are a consensus base. That means they require soft forks or hard forks. And some of them are standardness. They call it standardness. And these are just changes that they are just sort of like, um, they're suggested changes, let's put it this way, because they don't have to do them. Like to in order to maintain consensus with the network, right? Mm-hmm. So you know the size of the mempool, uh, which kind of transaction you want to accept in your mempool, things like that, right? Like what kind of flags are the default, and or for example, how Bitcoin Core client talks to other clients. Right now we have encrypted traffic; it's a huge new feature for privacy and security. It's great, but these things are not necessary, right? You can still run client version zero one three, and it will run. You know, you might need to tweak for your computer, but just sort of setting these distinctions between what are the types of changes that Bitcoin has and does versus uh, what people want and where the drama is, mm-hmm. uh, I think is important. I love the highlight. And I think that that is so important to, to kind of start with, because as we start talking about some of this stuff and you start getting way more myopic into it, you can be like, oh my God, everything's going to fall apart. So just rewind, listen to uh, NVK say, <laughs> say that first part. It's important. <laughs> Okay, let me just throw out a couple terms here and then you tell me which one you want to start with. Covenants, CTV, op return, self-custody on layer 2 lightning, scaling, data carry size. What okay. of these what which one of these do, do uh, <laughs> piques your interest? Which one of these piques your interest? <laughs> okay, so do we have uh, between 10 to 20 hours to talk? <laughs> <laughs> Which one do you um, think is important for people to understand or kind of talk about? Covenants, ignore it. Okay. Okay. Like, unless you're a technical person mm-hmm. who's interested in, in debating new features to Bitcoin that may or may not come, it's super cool. I like it. I want some of those features in Bitcoin. I wanted them to happen very slowly. Mm-hmm. We don't break anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, CTV is one of those. Check template verify is one of those. You may hear those words. That's an um, enabler to covenants. That's correct. It's one yeah. type of doing one way of doing some kinds of covenants on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. I'll be very helpful. We can alleviate some of the network traffic as well. It enables a myriad of things. And like anything that enables a myriad of things, you want to like go very slow on your decisions on how to implement, if you implement, and how do you deploy it. In my opinion, it's still going to take years. Mm-hmm. So you can remove from your risk assessment of Bitcoin. Just because the devs are never going to come to an agreement for a soft fork on that anytime soon. There just needs yeah, to be tons of testing. Yeah, not anytime soon. And in all honesty, like, when it comes to things like that, the amount of people who actually understand the technical nuances of this, how mm-hmm. this could do that, or you know how this is even you know activated, it, it's small. The majority of the people screaming about it on Twitter do not have a full comprehension of the concern. Yeah, um, they just want to work on so, it and build it without really even thinking right. about technical risk. Okay, that's right. Okay. Uh, How well, about you? Know what? Why don't you just throw the turn? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. And I'll so address it. Let's talk about the mempool blowing out. Okay. Most of the chatter is this is all brick BRC twenty token issuance through Taproot. Give people just a really, uh, and I have a full episode with Ryan Gentry from Lightning Labs talking about this. Taro protocol that's rolled out that has enabled all of this. So if people want to listen to that much more detailed conversation, we'll have a link to that conversation in the show notes for you to get it. But from your point of view, is this something that is actually being used with the intent to create value of uh, these assets? Are these people acting in a way that you think is financially interested to that's value accretive to somebody or is this 
you know, some people in the space are calling it an attack. Where would you so, fit on that spectrum? It doesn't matter what we think. <laughs> I like that answer. It really doesn't. This is Bitcoin. They don't need permission, mm -hmm. right? They're paying fees. Therefore, their transaction gets valid, yeah. validated, right? Like it really is that simple. People personally, I think it's a scam. You know, it's actually, if I remember, like the majority of that's actually coming from China, the demand for that token, right? They're trying to corner the market, but it doesn't matter. These are valid transactions, just like the, the JPEGs, right? On chain, very similar mechanisms. And there is absolutely nothing we can do about it, right? Like mm -hmm. there's people out there that want to filter transactions and try to get them to not come in. But realistically speaking, that's not possible. They can pay miners off the mempool to mine their transactions and they'll pay a lot for that because it's asymmetric, right? So your transaction is trying to, to transact the value you have on that transaction. Their transaction is trying to mine a proof for, you know, a million tokens. <laughs> So it's going to be very hard for you to compete for that fee on their unit of byte. And, uh, you know, they have a lot of victims to go after to sell their token to. Thankfully, because Bitcoin's economic principles were not designed for that, it's very likely that they will eventually run out of money, right? Mm -hmm. Because our transactions are much smaller in size for the economic value that they're trying to transmit. The density helps you and I to make a real Bitcoin transaction as opposed to, you know, a scam proof. Is this the, when you're saying the density, you're talking about the weighted unit, which there's 4 million weighted units per block. Bitcoin transactions only data-wise use one weighted unit and all of the data, uh, and I think you're nodding your head because you get into the op return debate. But then non-segwit data that's in the block is weighted as four weighted units for each a quarter. A quarter. Okay. Is that okay. the correct conversation to have to kind of like make this make sense for people when you say something like the Bitcoin? No, no. So it doesn't really matter because like most transactions are also taking advantage of the witness discount. So if you're using segregated witness for your transactions, which most people are, mm -hmm. you don't have to understand that. Both are getting advantages of the discount. Right. Mm -hmm. it, it, and there is a discount because this data can be pruned off your node. You don't have to store this data if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. That's why there is a discount. But no, uh, what I meant is, say, for example, you know, your transaction size is five kilobytes or 10 kilobytes. And your 10 kilobytes transaction is transporting $1 billion worth of Bitcoin. So a couple outputs, one for change, one for the destination, and you know, one for, for the miners, right? The fee. Now, that only takes 10 kilobytes, let's say. Now, when you're transacting your DGEN, like massive BRC, BRC20 sort of distribution of that token ownership, you might be transacting, say, like 100, a 200, a million, yeah. 500 kilobytes, a megabyte, right? So what should really be compared, both are taking advantages of the discount. So what we're really comparing here is it's, $1 billion worth of Bitcoin in 10 kilobytes versus maybe, I don't know, like a million dollars worth of 500 kilobytes. Economically speaking, you're a lot denser on that Bitcoin transaction. And that means you're going to win in the, in, the, in the long term. Because right? of that network effect. Uh, uh, for that block space. It's a network effect of market cap premium that people trust that you have to overcome and like it is so far down the track compared to anything that's trying to compete with it. Yeah, what a great point. Let's talk about Lightning for a second. There's very technical people coming out and saying Lightning cannot scale. There's issues with being able to self-custody Lightning. What are your thoughts on all of this? I have a complicated history with this one. Let's hear it. <laughs> I, I am a bit of a lightning disrespecter, but at the same time, I love lightning. Like all things being equal, it, it kind of does work, right? I mean, I use it all the time. Unleash.chat uses uh, for you to deposit. And the issue is like lightning is still bound by Bitcoin dynamics, a little bit too intertwined. And in the early days, there were about 50 papers for what's called payment channels. Payment channels is what lightning is. I was hoping back then that we would have 
maybe five competing things that were not even maybe interconnected because we can use Bitcoin as the interconnection. The issue that I found is that like the current lightning that we have tries to do too many things and appease too many different people and too many different standards, right? Mm -hmm. So we always fall into this issue where it takes too long to deploy new sort of lightning features and, and, and it's hard. Lightning is a very complicated technology. And when you have a lot of complexity, there's more, more issues. It takes longer to get to a, a very sort of uh, uh, efficient place. And Lightning really suffers on high fee environments because you have to open and close channels. But, but it does work. It is good technology. It's like anything that's trying to do like a, a big thing. It's not a simple answer. So no, it's not like the answer to everything. And yes, it's a good thing. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. So one of the most common questions I get from family and friends is, Preston, where do you buy your Bitcoin from personally? And the answer is really simple. I buy it on river.com. Not only can you easily buy Bitcoin with zero fees on recurring orders, you can have peace of mind knowing Bitcoin on River is held one-to-one in multi-sig cold storage, all while being fully licensed and regulated in the U.S. Plus, their relationship managers are U.S.-based and available by phone for you or your business. Additionally, River has built their own infrastructure from the ground up, which means they don't rely on third parties to function like the other Bitcoin exchanges. River also created a new feature not found anywhere else called River Link. It allows you to send Bitcoin over a text message to easily orange pill your family, pay a friend for dinner, or send a gift. There's absolutely a new standard in Bitcoin and River is setting it. So go to river.com slash fundamentals and get up to $100 free when you sign up and buy Bitcoin. That's river.com slash fundamentals. Have you ever wondered if there's an AI tool like ChatGBT specifically built for the stock market? A tool that not only aids you in your research and analysis process, but also allows for dynamic discussions? Today, I want to share such a tool with you called Meka. Meka is the AI-powered stock research assistant now enhanced with real-time stock data. Meka does a lot of the heavy lifting of sifting through financial statements and company data and delivers it to you nearly instantaneously, and the best part is that it's 100% free. Try it out today and ask Meka questions like, what is the financial health of Microsoft? How much cash does Copart hold on its balance sheet? What is the return on invested capital of Adobe or millions of other prompts? Check it out today for free at Meka.com. That's M-E-Y-K-A.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example with their dynamic design that rises to the occasion. It's got powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capabilities coupled with signature Range Rover refinement. The third-generation Range Rover Sport is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet, redefining sporting luxury. It's got advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offering next-level comfort and refinement. The purposeful cockpit light driving position sets the tone for a focused interior that promotes exhilarating driver engagement. Award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. You can enjoy a dynamic drive in total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. All right, back to the show. While you were talking, I, I pulled out my phone. I've been doing this a lot on, on shows, just checking like how simple this is. Like I typed in NVK on your Primal or on Noster and just, you know, sent you a hundred sats there while you were talking. This one's taking longer. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Minion so, is killing it. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I guess whenever I'm looking at that, we looking at this from an engineering lens, right, are saying this is good. This is good. This is amazing. Like to be able to do that without asking for an address or anything is somewhat absurd, like crazy. But we're saying that that's still not good enough because it wasn't done. Because I'm not using a self custodial wallet here. I'm using somebody else that's managing those keys for me to be able to do this in a seamless kind of way. I don't have to worry about channel management. I don't have to worry about 
But I sent you 100 sats. You received 100 sats because the fee was so de minimis for these people that are, that are managing this on, on our behalf. And I guess the question I got for you is, is that good enough? Or should engineers continue to kind of have the opinion that you have that it's not good enough and that we do need to get to some type of... I guess the question is this, from a technical standpoint, is there a way to make that turnkey and a person's managing their keys? There's a lot to unpack there. First, you have to think of like, we don't use cash for million dollar transactions. At least most people don't right? You use a bank wire for that, right? Mm-hmm. You don't even use your credit card for that. Do you use a wire for a $1,000 transaction? Eh, unlikely, right? You normally end up using your credit card. Do you use cash for a $1,000 transaction? Most of the time, no, right? You use cash for, you know, $5 transaction. If you start to divide, you know, like different kinds of interactions into different ways of using money, it's still all US denominated, right? In, in this example. But and it's still all being settled at the bank level for most of these transactions, right? So think of Bitcoin as like the final settlement. And then Lightning enables some of these uses in some use cases. Now, if you're sending just like a few, a hundred sats, right? A hundred sats is like what? Like a, a thousandth of a dollar right now? I can't, like, I'm probably really getting the small. math wrong. But, yeah. but, you know, it's very small. You can't even send dollars like that. But you can with Bitcoin using Mm -hmm. lightning and those economic ratio dynamics there right of that being sub dollar by a lot make it very conducive to be able to do that very well in hub and spoke so you have a custodian that's running the lightning node very nice large one with a lot of liquidity a lot of a lot of channels going on there he can achieve these kinds of like magical transactions because it's magic right zaps on masters just like poof gone and, and you don't need anything. It just happens, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a like very well. Now, if the receiver on the other end have a self-custodial wallet, he's not going to be as well connected, as well a setup with liquidity of all sizes, and it could not work as well. Now, you know, maybe for this kinds of transactions, you know, like the hub and spoke or custodial model works great. But for example, you know, I use Phoenix. Uh, wallet on my phone for self-custodial lightning uh, with some trade-offs on how they do some liquidity and things so that you can find liquidity better. It costs more in fees, but it works great when I go to Bitcoin Park and want to just buy you know, beer. It works amazingly, never really fails. So the trade-off there is fees. You know, now trying to use lightning for like larger payments, for example, we, we've tried to add lightning to our web store. And uh, most of the invoices when people go buy cold card are like between say $300 and $1,000, right? That's sort of like the, the average spread there. And it's a lot harder to do inbound liquidity, self-sovereign for that kind of invoice, right? Because we receive mm. only. Is Lightning great for that? I think it will be, but it's not quite there. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe somebody else comes, comes up with something else. I think it's, it's important to put into perspective these things because when you hear people shouting on the internet about Lightning good, Lightning bad, there is no context, right? Like, there, what are you actually trying to do? And I really think that Bitcoiners need to snap out of this sort of uh, monopoly of idea of solution for everything, right? It's like we need an ecosystem of a lot of things that do different things and solve different problems in different ways. That's the only way we scale 21 million supply to 8 billion people trying to buy, you know, a coffee at the same time. Okay, so two things on that response. So with respect to the the liquidity to do call it a thousand dollars worth of buying power on lightning, is this a function of how early we are? And if we warp ourselves five, ten years into the future, that you pretty much have liquidity in channels to be able to just easily do a thousand dollar transaction to anybody that's relying on some other service providing these channels. Is that something that you think kind of just uh, we can do that today. You know, yeah. if I hit up Alex and we go to River, right? Mm-hmm. And we have River handle our store liquidity. He could do it like no, no problem. problem. The issue is we're a Bitcoin company. We like owning our stock, right? Because to receive Bitcoin, we don't need anybody. Unlike our credit card partners that we need them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have two things that I need other people. Uh, <laughs> you know, I want to need no one. 
and this is just how we run our our business. And to me right now, I would have to, can we do it? Yes. But I'd have to have a team dedicated to just receiving payments to be able to accept in a self-sovereign way, thousand dollar invoices thousand times a day. Like we're just not there yet. When we talk about layer two specifically, is that the point that you can do it if you want to do it? Is that good enough? Yeah, you, you can do it. I mean, it's no, no, totally no, no, I got that. What, what do you mean? So, okay. So it seems like there's a mantra that is very valid and very true for layer one, which is every single person, it has to be easy for them to be able to take self-custody and for them to receive any amount of Bitcoin without asking anybody's permission from anywhere in the world. Right. And people are taking that mantra and saying, that's how it has to be in layer two for Bitcoin to be successful. And I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I'm curious if, if you would agree with that. That's a very good point. I mean, it's, it's not the case. Like Each layer is going to have different kinds of trade-offs. If you want uncensorable and no permission Bitcoin payments, that's layer one. Layer one, I don't even need to ask permission to send you money if I know your address. I can send you a you know, billion dollars right now, and you're going to receive it, winning or not. <laughs> You know, that, that is the brilliancy of the layer one. But the trade-offs are, it's like there's fees and, you know, it's slower. And there's all the things that happen when you do these kinds of transactions. Now, Lightning is going to have other trade-offs, right? So it's like, it's fast, but you need to manage liquidity or you need to ask permission or you have issues with statefulness, right? You have to be online. Mm -hmm. So now you have to have very secure systems that are holding Bitcoin for your liquidity online, right? It's not like your cold card, it's cold, right? You have to put enough liquidity on the internet. You know, you need professionals to be able to do that with a lot of money, but it's not lost. There is very cool things being built, right? There's the Breeze SDK. Talk Phoenix to us about that. that stuff. Talk, talk to us about the yeah, Breeze so, SDK. So they're creating these packages that, that have a lot of, that are, are doing a lot of the heavy lifting on channel management and helping with liquidity and integrating with liquidity providers that may be decentralized. It gets into like essentially a jargon soup fast. But the point is people are working on this problem and it's getting a lot better. The fact that I can have a few thousand dollars on Phoenix self-custody on the phone and make those payments, you know, without any concern aside from a higher fee, it's pretty impressive. A Zeus wallet is, is doing something similar, correct? Yes. So uh, for people that are trying to understand, and correct me if I'm, if I'm explaining this wrong, NVK, but uh, effectively, you're running your own node on your phone, you're opening your own channels, layer two lightning, Bitcoin, and you're able to have that, have that sovereignty. But it's a little slower than running a, a like what I did earlier with through primals, uh, sell, uh, them custodying the, the Bitcoin. But you're the one kind of controlling, you can get into as much technical detail as you want, but it's much more turnkey if you're using one yes. of those wallets for a person who and doesn't okay. have that technical competence. Yeah. It's okay. Like, you know, the majority of the people are not going to want to be self sovereign, anyways, right? Bitcoin's mission is to replace central bank, in my opinion. Yes. Right. So we get out there, <laughs> you know, and we remove the central bankers. Like, that's already a, a kind of a small win for humanity, <laughs> right? Like just tiny, just small, even, even if we don't find a way of feeding chicken across the internet instantly with like sense. Have you seen, remember the, the feeding chicken website? No, I have no idea what you're talking things. You could feed chickens. Using oh yes. Hand. Yes. I do remember seeing this. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So even if we don't get explain, to the chicken, explain we this to people. Win. This is this is hilarious. Explain this to people. So there was this website. Maybe it still probably exists. I can't remember the URL. But like essentially, one way they were showing how you prove the lightning works was like you could go to this website and send like very small amounts of sats across the globe to feed chickens. You would like enable a little machine that opens up and it drops some food for the and chickens. You're, you're watching the live video feed of the and chickens. You have the live video. Yeah. It was pretty hilarious. But, but the, the point is, like, we can have a more complicated, more nuanced kinds of view, you know, as Bitcoiners, right? Even though we're ooga booga sound money. 
it's like, yes, like we, we can replace the central bankers. It's already a massive win for humanity. And then Bitcoin does enable all these other uses that we can do, right? Like we can still buy the lattice with self-sovereign cash via Lightning. That, that works for that use case is already there. We don't like Lightning as is already works for that self-sovereign. Why do you think that this is lost on so many devs or just people operating in the space? Is it, would you say that at the core, they don't really fully understand what this value prop really is, which your description was, it replaces central banks. I would just add a little bit on top of that, which is it's a true peg. Gold is a, is a perception of a peg that continues to fail over and over again throughout human history. This is actually a peg that provides the technical solution that, that can peg fiat and global central banks. In my opinion, that's what Bitcoin is solving for. Everything else is just gravy on top of that is with respect to payments. Like, and I think this is a highly controversial statement. I'm curious if you would agree with this. If Bitcoin yeah. pegs yeah. fiat currency and everything layer two and payment related fails, I think we still have a massive change in the incentive structures of humanity if we just are able to peg fiat currency with layer one. My view on this is, is kind of simple. I say that everything in Bitcoin serves at the pleasure of store of value. That, yeah. that, it really is that simple, right? Like store of value is king. Everything else is there for a store of value. Do you get a lot of other features? Absolutely. I mean, like it's mm -hmm. endless and we haven't even scratched the surface of all the stuff we can do. Mm -hmm. But why do you have censorship resistance transactions? It's because you need that for a store of value. Because if you say no to that, it's no longer sellable. Therefore, it's no longer a good store of value. You need to be sellable for that. Is it divisible? Right? You need the visibility to be a good store of value. And all these things work in sort of like from this principle. If, if you start from this principle, like we're on the same page. The problem is like some people start from, you know, the, the latte conversation principle. Yes. Right. And if you start from that, that premise, I mean, like, you know, we're not going to find a path where we, it's a whole different thing. Now we're trying to use the store of value as means of exchange for daily stuff, mm -hmm. right? Bitcoin can only offer so much. Right? Like, yeah. So like there will come trade-offs and, and the way we handle those trade-offs is by adding these other layers. And there is more coming. Right. I mean, there is the e-cash stuff that's very old. I mean, e-cash. I want to get into cash. that. I want to get yeah. into that, but keep, keep going with your point and then we'll go there. I mean, my point is done really. It really is this, this idea that you have this store of value. This is Bitcoin's promise that you don't get debased. And, you know, it comes with all these other benefits that support that case, like the, the censorship, you know, the ownership and the self-validation. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, this is not something you can do with gold. You can't self-validate the gold. You can't check the tungsten inside the gold bar with like home tools on, on, unless you, you drill the bar. But then are you drilling everywhere? What about dissolved parts? You know, it's all silly, right? When you compare it to Bitcoin. Yes. Um, and, even and with all Bitcoin those, so even with all those things, you still got to trust the people that are performing this audit on who's ever right. is Absolutely. telling the truth after they give you the results. And right? on top of all that, because yeah. Bitcoin is so sellable and so fungible, you can send it over the internet. To somebody on the other side of the speed of light and it's redeemable and verifiable by the receiving party mm -hmm. right that's why bitcoin because of this feature that bitcoin has to support the store of value you get for free the medium of exchange all right so when we talk about running your own node and channel management and self-custody on layer two one of the solutions that are being proposed is Fetty, eCash, this idea that let's say you have a group of family members and you want to help them, you would self-custody on their behalf, and then they're able to participate in this fediment, and they are able to spend just as quickly or pretty close to as good as somebody else that's managing all of these channels because you're pooling all of these resources together. So you're making it more turnkey and you're putting the trust in somebody that you actually know as opposed to some third party that you don't know from Adam. Talk to us about your opinions around all of this. Is this, is this a, a real solution moving forward? 
You know, I made a tweet that was a little controversial a little while back, mm -hmm. which is there is not enough Satoshis for everybody in the planet. And, you know, if you divide, I don't know how many, there's like a quadrillion Satoshis. Just yeah, clickbait, sure. man. You just putting out yeah. the clickbait. But here's the thing. <laughs> Let's hear it. Wealth Let's hear is it. never evenly distributed. 50% of the world's wealth is owned by, you know, 0.001% kind of thing of the population, right? Realistically speaking, even if we make Bitcoin 10x better distribution, which is already an amazing sort of like thing for the world, let's make it a hundred times better distribution of wealth in the world, right? You still don't have enough Satoshis for everybody in the planet because this now, you know, from a basis point to 1% of the population is going to have, say, 90, 80% of all the money. There is not enough sats now for everybody in the planet. One of the cool things of covenants as a quick tangent is that you can have co-ownership of a of a Satoshi, but I'm not going to go there. What's cool is that like, so, so how do we make it so that there is enough funds available for 4 billion people in the world who are not the owners of 80% of the wealth, right? Like these people need to share enough Satoshis to have enough velocity for transactions and also for their savings to be stored. Okay. So how do we do it? We can't, right? Mathematically, we don't have enough sats in Bitcoin for them. What I love about eCash is that we can offer them, and that's true also for partially liquid. You can offer them these other tokens that are Bitcoin redeemable, right? They're, they're Bitcoin pegged as well. And they're essentially like smaller units of a claim on Bitcoin. And because of the way the cryptography work, you can offer better promises than a bank does. So in a way, it's kind of like a mix between free banking and sort of like crypto anarchism, right? But, you know, these are just fancy words to say, hey, listen, you know what? I can make you a promise, a, a cryptographic promise that I'm not diluting the supply of this token that has a claim on, on SATs, right? On Bitcoin. I can make a claim that I don't have full control over the mint and over the, the transaction verification. And with that, I mean, and, and that, with that comes amazing privacy, right? Because you don't know who owns each token and, you know, the whole e-cash, charm and cash amazingness. And it's also stateless. So you can go and do this offline. So I can have, you know, a bunch of people in a village, the quintessential example of the startup, I'm going to save the world kind of like thing where, you know, there is a village of poor people somewhere, the global south. And realistically, they can't have Bitcoin Satoshis in any reasonable distribution. Right now, at least they can have a much better thing than they had before. They're not being debased by a note created by an African central bank that is printed by the French government anymore. They have a cryptographic proof of something that is a million times better and they cannot be rugged because it is backed by Bitcoin. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in over 20 strategic locations. They have extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T dot com. Corient dot com. As someone who's constantly on the road and traveling, Briggs & Riley has been a game changer that ensures my travel experience is phenomenal. I'm a satisfied customer of Briggs & Riley myself, and I can certainly tell you that their luggage performs. It's extremely durable, it has amazing features that make packing and getting around easier, and they have the best lifetime guarantee in the industry. If your bag is ever broken or damaged, they'll repair it free of charge, no questions asked, even if your airline damages the bag. They also just released their Simpatico collection of hard-sided luggage. It has this new one-touch feature, which allows you to expand your luggage, pack it, then compress it to its original size so a carry-on can still fit in the overhead compartment, plus many other cool features. 
If you want luggage that was awarded the best carry-on by Forbes, then now's the time to get it. Get your new and improved luggage at Briggs-Riley.com. That's Briggs-Riley.com. Looking to part ways with complicated, expensive, and uncertain shipping? Then give your business the edge it needs with USPS Ground Advantage shipping from the United States Postal Service. Keep everything simple with clear, upfront pricing and no unexpected surcharges. Keep things affordable with some of the lowest prices out there. And keep it all reliable with on-time ground shipments. It's time to turn shipping to your advantage. Learn how at usps.com advantage. USPS Ground Advantage. Simple, affordable, reliable. All right, back to the show. So a person who's hearing your statement there, they're going to say, well, in, in what is it? 210 quadrillion Satoshis in the, that represent the 21 million Bitcoin. So 210 quadrillion units. How is there not enough for the 7 billion people on the planet? I don't, I don't understand. That's possible units. When you have your, your whole Bitcoin, a single UTXO, yeah. you already took a hundred millionth of the supply off the table, right? 18 million Bitcoin, almost 19 million Bitcoin, almost, almost there is already owned by somebody. And maybe there's what, 20 million people in the world that own Bitcoin. Yeah. But one of the things that I, I don't think that you're accounting for is for people like me, after the world starts moving to this Bitcoin standard and equity and everything else starts getting repriced in Bitcoin, people that are s- sitting on billions of Satoshis, they're going to be more than happy to get rid of those in exchange for cash. Or, I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Manhattan's still owned by very few people. You know what? Uh, uh, whenever you start looking at equity that's, that's cash accretive, like, hey, if you're denominating your business, right? Looking at your business that, that you have, NVK, and it's priced at two times earnings, annual earnings. Yeah, I think I might actually, and I think that there's a competitive moat. Yeah, I will give up Bitcoin to own that, that business. And if that person is a person of the legacy world that's been denominating everything in fiat, I think they're going to want that Bitcoin and they might have to sell it at two times earnings to get it. I don't disagree with you, but the math is much crazier when you're talking about a 21 million supply. I think that I think the the fiat 200 quadrillion sats. I think the um, legacy fiat person gets more desperate to own it, collapsing the price premium of 35x PEs to these numbers so that they can get their hands on it, which resets and spreads Satoshis all over the planet, right? Like I think so many are missing that that part of the quote unquote, and I'm using the WEF term, the great reset. Like they're missing that part of the reset. Yeah. You know, I don't see how because you know there is also the cost of making those transactions, right? Maybe those are claims. Because let's just put it with today's state of the network, 100 sats is the dust limit. So, you know, already divide your quadrillion by 100. And then there is the cost of making those millisat, let's just call them sats, the actual sat. So there is a cost to transacting those sats that will will be larger than the sat itself, right? So you still need to put out a fee. So you cannot transact a single sat unless it's a donation to a miner. So you're going to need two sats. So divide that number by two. Okay, so... Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you divide it by two because you still need to pay one set. So now you're paying 50% fee. Are, are remember, these assumptions? Bitcoin fees are Bitcoin denominated. They're not dollar denominated. Even if it's like 10 sets, you still have to give up 10% if it was one sat fee, which is not mm-hmm. going to be. And then you're competing now with Michael Saylor doing a UTXO consolidation right on that block for, you know, a hundred billion dollars worth. And it's just, but here's why I think this is like, get crazy. So I think people hearing this might be hearing this and saying, well, this is a concern. This is an issue, but I don't think that it is because you can add more units to the right of the decimal point and Bitcoin's just as scarce as it was before. You're just adding more additional monetary units. Well, you know, you're not adding more units. You're adding more placeholders to the right, which still has 21 Um, million Bitcoin. In Bitcoin, I can't remember now that there is a there is a limit on like how the how the integer system works on Bitcoin. Yeah, like there is a limit to how much divisibility we can have in this current design of the system. Um, because of data. Here's the cool thing. Because of 
Okay. It's actually like computer math as opposed to human math. Human math, you can do whatever you want. That's why yeah. the economy is that it is. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> they can keep on printing and divide and doing whatever. But here's the cool thing though. For example, with lightning, you get another hundred million division because lightning is a claim. So there right? are enough units. So, yeah. So so <laughs> there are as long as they are not fully yours. Let's put it this way. Oh, as interesting. Long as okay. they, yeah. Because they're still in suspense. They're not, they are non-vested in Bitcoin. They're non-claimed in Bitcoin. Once you claim that in Bitcoin, you have to exist in the Bitcoin's physical universe. The Bitcoin physical universe is the 200 quadrillion Satoshis. Outside of that, you can do many things, right? So Lightning offers an extra 100 million divisibility, right? And if you're using custodial Lightning or even self-sovereign Lightning, if it's designed right, you can you can have those units transact those units, but you're not getting the same promise that is Bitcoin's promise. So if this person falls asleep for two years and they wake up, is this what they're uh, looking at? Is the lightning the- wallet could be gone? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, but it's okay. This is where like it drives me insane with Bitcoiners conversing about this. Is that like we're still making the world a million times better, not ten times better. Not a hundred times, but a million times better. And we're going to come up with more solutions as we go along. Like, look how much Bitcoin came already. There was not even multi-sig when we started. There is a lot of clever people with the correct incentives trying to fix these problems, right? And we are. I mean, like the e-cash based on Bitcoin is a proof of that. And it's not Lightning. It could use Lightning, but it's it's a different solution, right? There is the liquid solution. And there's going to be more. It's all a matter of time. And things tend to come not when we want them, but when we really need them. And it's already late, <laughs> a little late and over, over demanded. I know that earlier we said that the CTV and covenants was something that is much more of a technical conversation, not something that's probably going to happen anytime soon. But I think it's something that people are continuing to hear about. So I just want to kind of cover it with you as to what this brings yeah, and just your general thoughts on how much complexity or risk that it introduces. It's funny enough, it's surprisingly simple. It's a very simple change. It's an extra opcode. And uh, all it does is it checks the template verification. Essentially, what you can do now is your Bitcoin when... So let me put it to this way. Let's see if I can explain this simply, but get the point across. So in Bitcoin right now, the way the script works is on the input. That's why your multi-sig, your money is going into your multi-sig. And then when you want to sign it out, you have to use the keys to sign it out. With the template verification, right? it could be in the output. That means when the money is signing out, it has rules. Mm. And those rules, we already have two things that kind of have rules like that. It's not quite, but just for sake of being practical in explanation, the time locks. The money doesn't, is not spendable by the network until it hits the time lock. We already mm-hmm. have that. With CTV, it's the same, but you, you get to write this, a script or like a, a template for that money span. So the UTXO can say, for example, you're not allowed to spend unless you hit this time and you hit like this amount of signatures and it does this and it can only go to this address. It's covenants, right? Like mm-hmm. it's the same as a deed on a, on a house or very similar to all our covenants on a trust. All you're saying is that when the money's spent, here are the rules set. Some of the fear mongering is because, you know, people are like, you know, it's scary to send money that's going to have rules. What if it's broken? Well, I mean, if it's broken, you just didn't write it right. <laughs> that is true already of multisig. If you don't do a correct multisig script, money gone, right? Thanks for the donation. Uh, thanks for the donation, right? Essentially, what Covenants does is like, at least the CTV does, is this is how it works, right? Mm-hmm. There's a few other proposals that are not quite as mature. Covenants came out quite a while by Jeremy Rubin. It, it's, it really is like a, a super clever way of doing this. Hmm. Uh, it's been studied to death, in my opinion. It's fairly safe. But, you know, you have to get the whole network to come along. So it's going to take time. Have there been uh, other, I, I know for a long time, some of the stuff that was ultimately being implemented on Bitcoin was done on Litecoin or one of these other blockchains. Has, has CTV been done on another blockchain to date? Not that I know of. Maybe it's not impossible, but I think it was a different time. 
I was having this conversation with people about activation, right? Like the, the side that's like won it yesterday and, and the side that doesn't win it ever. I did an episode of Bitcoin that I review about that. And you can't expect people to sort of move their money, their bags, you know, their life savings into something that is new right away, right? So you really need, you need to get people to understand. And CTV is a feature. It's not critical. When we did the UASF for SegWit, right, way back, mm-hmm. uh, it was a critical thing, right? I mean, Bitcoin was splitting and people were going to kill each other, right? Yeah. So it was a different time. And so we, we had to deal with that, right? It was not optional. We mm-hmm. had to go somewhere. And the, the compromise was actually snuck in there. The block size got doubled. Jeff Garzik. Uh, yeah, and then I'm not even going to go there. Uh, and, but there were people that wanted to quadruple, and then there were people yeah. that wanted to make it unlimited. And, and th- those projects essentially dead, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was proven the obvious that it was idiotic. So we did do a compromise on Bitcoin, and we created the, the clever way. I did a whole episode on SegWit and explaining it, truly technically speaking, about it. And uh, we got the discount because it's prunable. Very clever cryptography, like extremely clever cryptography. But now we're at a point where like the system works mm-hmm. and it's great. Do we activate stuff now? No, because it's going to sort of fracture the consensus and the, the social layer of Bitcoin, right? Take your time, get the people on board. And who knows, maybe the fee environment remains so awful that people start looking at CTV as a way to just improve that, mm-hmm. right? Because you can do this shared custody offsets. Um, I, I think so, that's generated a lot of the conversation is the fee backdrop. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, it's sales. You got to find an angle, right? Like, yeah. To, you know, an honest angle because it's going to get scrutinized and, and maybe that's how you get it through. Is the fee environment that we've seen since September, October been conducive to building in layer two from your point of view? Oh, absolutely. The problem is lightning really suffers on high fee environments. So mm-hmm. it's good because you get to transact. If you already have the channels, mm-hmm. you get to just transact between them. It's great. I feel like low fee environments they make people lazy and people come up with lazy solutions that don't scale. So it's nice to have this to put a fire under people so they actually go out there and build efficient, good solutions. And they're going to come out. I mean, people find a way, right? Because there is demand. You're tinkering with AI right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's your broad, uh, you know, you're sculpting something here. What are the big chunks that you're knocking off to help people understand your perspective on AI? The way I, I approach sort of things I want to understand is by building a project and hopefully a company out of them. Right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's how the whole Unleash.chat started. I, is that the address was, people can go to if they want to check it out? Yes, Unleash.chat. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I was, you know, all these things were sort of like magic, right? I was paying attention to Bitcoin, building on Bitcoin only. And, and like, and this thing sort of took me off left field, right? Like, whoa, you know, how come we're like so ahead on this thing, right? And then I started digging and sort of trying to run my own and sort of like figuring out the stuff. And, and, and it became very clear when, that when you say running your own, you're running your own transformer, like a, your own GPT. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, you know, running your own like LLMs locally and sort of trying to play with it, train it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how it was not like as good as the sort of like the open AI kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because, and, and I couldn't like understand why, right? I mean, like, you know, this is a good model. This is their last model. If I go on their both last models, why doesn't it like work the same way, right? And then I started dug in and, and it's like, it became clear that like, there is a lot of mechanical turkey that go behind AI solutions, like AI as a service. And, you know, it's all packages, this like magic, mm-hmm. right? That you just type the thing, it just magically knows everything, right? And so I started like, you know, I got like some of my resources like to, to go and sort of build on this. And, and we started sort of like putting together, like how can we get closer to like the answers there? And, and essentially like you have to build a lot of custom code that helps the AI do the things that you want it to do. Essentially like you're building AI Tools for the AI to go and do the things or, mm. or tools for the AI to go and think about the things. These are machines, right? Like all that they do is predict the next word. Mm-hmm. It's just that they're so good at that, that it feels like intelligence, right? I think we've starting to hit some walls, like that the large players are starting to hit some walls. And that's why they're so desperate to hire new people and, and things, because this way of doing it 
there's a lot of improvements that can be done on the mechanical Turk side, but we need still a few more breakthroughs on the intelligence side. But the thing is, like, they already are amazing. I mean, like the things mm-hmm. you can do in, you know, like you could already probably replace half of a future 500 company analyst desk. You get like half the staff like gone mm-hmm. right today. It's totally possible. It's just that the glue is not quite there yet. So you don't have a way for, you know, the CEO wakes up in the morning. He's like, you know, I want to know, you know, these very complicated questions about my business. So can you give me a report on how many cold cards of blue collar I sold on the last third day of every June, the last thir- three years? And, uh, you know, but please correlate that with the moon phase. <laughs> you know, seriously, like, yeah. you know. Maybe there is a good correlation there. Maybe you shouldn't have like blue cold cards outside of that moon phase, right? Like you could Mm -hmm. improve your sales and be more efficient on how you you do inventory. But the tools are not quite there yet on those sort of like how the person asks those questions, right? And how you input all the data. And then there's the concern about privacy on the data. We're building some of that stuff ourselves because we want it for ourselves. We we made it available to people. And I wanted to search Noster with the same way you do Grok on Twitter. Long story short, these things are like super advanced. They, in terms of being able to help you be productive, but they're not quite there yet to make you feel like you're a superhero. A great example of this is when you go try to generate images, you can never get the image just right. <laughs> and, you, and it starts to mess up as you ask. So I was trying to make a meme, right? Like make me three green capivaras and one red capivara. <laughs> so I could do that meme. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I went, I went four in a row. Three that are green and then one that's red. And you always either add an extra capybara or you would like make them the wrong color or, but, and if you go there and say, Hey, make me a great image of uh, Bitcoin's flight to safety. Make me a beautiful woman on a private jet, you know, looking out the clouds in the sunset, right? It made me a beautiful image, but I cannot make it repeat it. And I cannot make it like do it exactly as I wanted if I start adding little parameters. Yeah. Right? So that's where we are now. But you think it within years where this thing's this trajectory of this is getting crazy, correct? It's an yeah. arms race kind of environment right now, right? Yeah. So there is so many resources, so many smart people working on this that it could be years, but it could also be tomorrow that we have like crazy breakthroughs. So that's why it's so important that like if you run a business, right? Or if you have investments or whatever, like, you know, you have some strategy around like how how you take advantage of some of this stuff and, and you're like plugged in into what's happening. It's kind of like Bitcoin in a way, like it's a multiplier of your capacity, right? Bitcoin is a multiplier because you're being debased. So it's essentially an inverse multiplier. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're being inversely debased and you're getting self-sovereignty. And and if you start early, you start accruing that advantage. With with AI as a business is the same, right? Like you have to start building that that know-how and start building tools that are good for you that help you get the multiplication on, on your capacity. Right. And ultimately, I mean like that, that's almost like booths sort of like, yeah, it is <laughs> mantra. Right. Yeah. But again, it's, it's one of those things like you have to be there, you have to be in the field playing with it, or, or you're going to probably miss out and you're going to be out competed and you're not going to understand why maybe it's just that he, you know, your competitors can just do better inventory, but like 10 X better inventory. So they find more margins mm-hmm. and they find more efficiencies. Right. And your product gets better. And you don't understand why. So that's sort of like a, a, an interesting way to look at this. It's hard to believe we've been talking for an hour already. I could just chat with you all day. I just want to highlight to people listening to this that maybe are not familiar with NVK. I can tell you, if you talk to anybody that's been in this space for a long time, they, and, and you ask them what hardware wallet they would recommend, the one that they're going to say, and we have no relationship advertising-wise or anything, I'm just telling you. What they're going to tell you is it's cold card and it's NVK's uh, product that he's made like best on the market. You guys got to check it out if you have never looked at it before. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. I, I do have an ad with uh, River, but I personally use River and I love them. So if you're buying your Bitcoin and you want to take self-custody, there's, <laughs> there's the combo. NVK, I can't thank you enough for making time, not just for today's show, but when I do text you and ask you questions that are... <laughs> <laughs> for me, difficult from a tech, from a tech standpoint. You're always so kind to help out. 
and just really kind of just thankful for you and, and your education for not just myself, but everybody in the space. You are a force to be reckoned with when it comes to tech. So thanks for making time and coming on the show. Any other highlights that you want to point people towards? No, listen, uh, I thank you so much for the kind words. Regardless of like which hardware wallet you choose, use a hardware wallet, you know, like get your funds off the exchange, you know, like River is a great, it really is a great company. Buy your Bitcoin, get it out, take self custody. It's kind of the whole point of Bitcoin and uh, try to review your security practices. Having the Bitcoin, the most important thing after getting a Bitcoin is keeping it. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> everybody wants your Bitcoin, the bad guys, the tax man. The people coming, you know, there's a tsunami coming. So please, like, take this seriously, take the responsibility and, 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 and jump two feet into self custody. You know, hopefully you like my product and, uh, but get out and do it. The time is ticking. Yes. <laughs> you know, you're only going to get less Bitcoin from now on. That's you know, true. It's, it's brutal. <laughs> it's brutal. Like, our store receives Bitcoin, right? And through the years, for every invoice, we only get less Bitcoin. You know, the dollar value of those invoices keeps on increasing, but like it, it, it seems no, to watch that trend. No amount of productivity can keep up with it, right? That's right. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, this was a blast and uh, we'll have links to all that in the show notes. MVK, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. If you guys enjoyed this conversation, be sure to follow the show on whatever podcast application you use. Just search for We Study Billionaires. The Bitcoin-specific shows come out every Wednesday, and I'd love to have you as a regular listener. If you enjoyed the show or you learned something new or you found it valuable, if you can leave a review, we would really appreciate that. And it's something that helps others find the interview in the search algorithm. So anything you can do to help out with a review, we would just greatly appreciate. And with that, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to TIP. To access our show notes, courses, or forums, go to theinvestorspodcast.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by the Investors Podcast Network. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.